Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Creative Process Podcast with myself, Jared Klein. Obviously, today you could see for episode nine, we have a guest on. Um, but first off, I want to say thank you to the people that come out and listen to the podcast week in and week out. Um, this one is recorded, it's going to be recorded a little bit in advance here, about a week, week-ish in advance. Um, so if there is any feedback on episode eight that is coming out, I guess when we're recording coming out tomorrow... I guess I won't get to it until episode 10. Um, but, but yeah, so Paul, thank you for coming on today. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, to, uh, come, ha- come and have a conversation with someone that you've never met before. <laughs> I appreciate it. I know very little about you, Jared. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. So, um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested, um, in learning and learning about you, um, and learning about your story and learning about, you know, everything that we, that we have on our docket that's that we're that we're going to talk about um so i guess to start from you know stage one start from the base introduce yourself to to the audience i like to say who you are where you're from what do you do um you know yeah. and then if you want to go deeper than that you're more than welcome to no problem um as you said i'm paul sadler i serve as the creative director for the purdue athletic department um i've been with the university since 2011 um, started as a graphic designer there and uh, I've been there since minus last year. I took a little adventure sidetrack away from sports to try something different um, as a lot of people during COVID did mm-hmm. uh, came back, missed it too much. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a townie. I, I grew up around Purdue. I'm from Lafayette. So I've been in this area my whole life. Awesome. Um, graduated from Ball State in Muncie. That's the only time I've, I've left town. Um yeah, I, I, after after college, I worked about eight years in healthcare, uh, in a marketing department as a graphic designer. So, um, totally different type of work, uh, better pay than the athletic world at the time. But uh, I love sports, and opportunity came up, and I was in a position in my life where I could take a little chance and and tried it out, and been with it ever since. Awesome, yeah. So how long how long have you been? I guess working within sports. Uh, 2011, you know, as part of my job, um, Mm -hmm. you know, a few years prior to that, I started dabbling around just for fun. Um, when, when things started growing on the internet and in the sports design world, and I started getting into sports photography and working, um, kind of as a, um, an assistant to a friend of mine who was a sports photographer. So I started getting some access to some events and seeing how things work and, and then around that time, a year later, the job opened up and it decided to make a career out of it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I guess staying close for home, you've, you've had a, uh, you've had a connection with Purdue since, since you were little yeah, or since, what? As long as I can remember. I mean, my, my dad's <laughs> been taking me to Purdue, Purdue games since I was old enough to remember things, I guess. Um, going to Mackey arena in the mid eighties, late eighties. Uh, watching Mike Allstott, he was my favorite player. Mike Allstott. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow, Mike Allstott. He was a machine, man. <laughs> that guy, that guy would drag around jeeps chained I, to him in the parking lot. I didn't know he played for it. Purdue. <laughs> I had no idea he played for Purdue. Heck yeah, yeah. He was he was fun to watch. If you if your viewers don't know him, Google him, watch the highlights. Something else, something you don't see anymore these days. <laughs> Yeah, like I think I think the last guy in the NFL that was like reasonably close to him was Peyton Hillis. 
Yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah. But he, I mean, Allstott would just drag guys, oh, just drag multiple guys down the field. So, just yeah, I grew up loving Mike Allstott and Glenn Robinson was my other childhood superstar, probably the best best college scorer I've ever seen to this day. Like, that guy was so much better than anybody on the court. <laughs> Glenn Robinson. Did he play for the Spurs? Yes. I think he, I think he would run – I think he might have won a ring with the Spurs in a, in a reserve role. I think, you might have to Google that. Yeah, I. you know, Actually, honestly, no. honestly, I'm going to Google that right now. Glenn Robinson. I'm not a big NBA guy. Uh, I don't know my NBA history that well outside of outside of Michael Jordan and Chicago Bulls. But <laughs> Yeah, he played – okay, I remember – he played for the Bucks. Yeah, he was number one draft pick yeah. in 93 or 94. So That's how I remember him. I knew – it sounded familiar. He's from yeah. – from Gary, Indiana. I didn't know that either. Yep. Yep. And then Drew Brees, the other big legend. Oh yeah. That was the time I was in college. Most people most people are familiar with him. Oh yeah. Who cannot who cannot identify Drew Brees, man? Drew Brees is a legend. Do you think do you think you know, let's talk about that for a little bit. This is kind of yeah. off topic, but I want to talk about Drew Brees for a little bit. Do you think he got he got screwed over a little bit in his career? You mean with the um with the Chargers? Well, well, that trade. well, yeah. So, it was that was because of Philip Rivers, right? The Chargers situation. I assume so. I, I don't know the deep details of it, but oh. yeah, I, I think. I mean, obviously, I was an invested fan, so you know, I, I, I was he was my favorite player in the league coming from Purdue. So mm-hmm. I had all the high. I you know I believed in him since day one. So I always felt like he wasn't getting his proper chance. You know, he was behind. I think he was behind Flutie for the first couple of years. And he finally got some playing time and then, you know, hooked up with Gates, uh, Antonio Gates and Ladanian. And mm-hmm. yeah. then when did they draft Rivers? Was that like 08 or 09 or 07? It was, it was a hand, I want to say like three years, two or three years after Drew Brees came yeah. into the league. And then, I mean, he had, that awful, then, he had that awful injury too. The, yeah. Separated his shoulder or something. I can't remember what it was, but yeah. it worked out good for him. I guess, I guess like going back to like my question, like why I think Drew Brees got like shafted a little bit because like, did he, I can't recall. Did he win a Super Bowl with the Saints? Yeah. He did. Yep. Uh, The Colts, I believe. Against the Colts. Okay. So then maybe, maybe, maybe not because like if you win a Super Bowl and you're a quarterback of the caliber of Drew Brees, then your career isn't, you know, tainted as much as like, but I, for, for some reason, like Drew Brees always got looked over because quarterbacks in his, you know, his generation. Well, he was always, he was always kind of, with with Peyton, he was kind of always classified as a scheme guy. Like they just throw all the time, and he was an offense built around him. But mm-hmm. I mean, the guy was as precision as precision gets when he mm-hmm. threw the ball. He didn't have the biggest arm, but mm-hmm. like like people just like people thinking about the NFL. Like you think about, I mean, obviously Tom Brady, like number one. I mean, I think he's a goat. He's the greatest quarterback of all time, I think. But like, I love Tom Brady. What'd you say? I love Tom Brady. Oh, I thought you said something else. <laughs> no, no, I love Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like, like he always, it always seemed like. Granted, I'm, I'm younger. I'm. How, how old are you? I'm 42. Okay, I'm, I'm 20. Gonna be 24. Wait, okay. 24 or 25? I don't know. Um, so you, you, you could be my kid almost. Yeah, so like my 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 vision of Drew Brees is a little different than your vision of Drew Brees. Um, sure, but it always seemed like to me he was like second, second or third. You know, when it came to like talking about quarterbacks, 
Yeah, because like he's kind of like I, an afterthought. It seemed like. Yeah, he's kind of like those. Um, uh, shit, I'm blanking on the name. Apologize if I cuss. I'll try and stop. I'll try and not do that. No, you're uh, fine. Don't worry about it. Who's the other little quarterback from from the '80s that put up big numbers? From the '80s. Oh, yeah, that's more. '80s or '90s. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, but he, yeah, he was he was never your typical, you know, prototypical quarterback. Big, tall, big cannon arm, like. Mm-hmm the guy that worked well in the offense he was in. And yeah, he always was kind of put behind Manning and Brady mm-hmm. as number three, but mm-hmm. well, granted, I mean, honestly who like if, I mean, those two quarterbacks are hall of famers, you know, those two quarterbacks are some of the best quarterbacks ever. So yeah. I, I, honestly, it, it'd be better to be third to them than yeah. to anyone else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, let, let's kind of transition a little bit. I had to talk about no that Drew Brees thing. Cause you brought him up and uh, I think he's, I th- honestly think he's one of the greatest too. I just had to, I had to, I had to, had to talk about that for a little bit. No problem. Just don't um, test my knowledge of pro sports too much. I mean, for a guy that works in sports, she'd be surprised how little sports I watch anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, shit, you're probably you're around it all the time, so it's like you're around it all the time, and you just maybe it's an age thing. You get older, you start doing other stuff with your free time. So yeah, that's true. Did you do you watch baseball at all? I used to. I used to be a huge baseball watcher until. Uh, probably right up until I'm a big Cubs fan. So mm. I waited my whole life and they finally won in 15. Was it 15? 16, 16, 16. So once that kind of happened and I don't know, it was done. And I was like, well, finally gonna, it, interest kind of waned. And you're going to, yeah, hate what I, I saw that. Note that <laughs> okay. Um, but my buddy, uh, pitched for you guys. I just saw him the other day, Josh, Josh Limblom. He's down at, uh, He's down at Nashville Sounds right now. Oh, really? Yeah, he was a Purdue alum. Is he still in the? Uh, is he still in the system, or is he coaching? Yeah, he's he's uh, down in down in Nashville. Um, still never, pitching. I've never heard starter. of him. He was with you guys as a reliever last year, I believe, and maybe the year before. Okay. He's yeah, kind of never heard of him. He's about thirty-five years old. He's he's been around the block. Mm-hmm. Had some but, experience. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the. Uh, like the you know home run derby and everything was last night, so I was wondering if you if you watched it at all. Did not watch it. I, I checked Twitter because I was curious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I watched so little of it that I didn't know who the hell uh, is it. Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, I didn't know who he was. I had to Google that name. Oh yeah, I've never heard of this guy. <laughs> He's crazy. He's so good. He is so good. I'm Honestly, so out of touch with Major League Baseball. Like, I I was too until like I started looking. Well, granted, I started working in minor league baseball this past January, so then you know your the focus shifts a little bit because yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, like who I didn't, I had no idea like Julio Rodriguez had as much power as he showcased last night, like yeah. and endurance too. Granted, he is twenty one, like he's freaking younger than me. That made me feel really good when they when they said that. But um, like he was just. Like hitting four, like four fifteen, four thirty, like four that that like four hundred thirty foot home runs back to back to back to back to back, like nothing. It was insane yeah. to watch. But I mean, I watched Alonzo last year because um, I, I last year was the year I didn't work in sports, so uh, I was I was able to ex- experience the world of sports gambling, which you're not allowed to do, of course, in the NCAA world. Yeah, <laughs> my compliance officer isn't watching this. It was legal, but last year I was able to 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 bet a little bit on the festivities like home run derby. So when you got money on it, it makes it more fun to watch. Oh yeah, you got some got some got some stake in the game, man. 
Yeah, but um, but yeah. So let's let's talk about your your profession at the moment, your job with Purdue. Um, so creative director, correct? Right, that's mm-hmm. what you said. Yep, director of creative services to be exact. But okay. So what what kind of comes with your position at Purdue? So I manage. We have a creative services department. Um, we have. I want to say 10 to 12 now in our, on our total staff in creative that includes videographers, graphic designers. And then there's also kind of like this hybrid role of people, a couple people that, that run our video board slash media system, live event type stuff, mm-hmm. but we're all housed in the same uh, big suite in the basement. So we all work together on top of each other. It's, it's a fun collaborative environment, but I personally am responsible for um, two graphic designers uh, Chris Johnson, you probably have seen in the Twitterverse, and then um, we just hired a new one. Um, he hasn't publicly announced it, so I won't drop his name yet. I'll <laughs> let him take those honors, but he starts with us soon. And then uh, I have four videographers. Chris Johnson, like Voodoo, is that isn't that yeah, his? Uh... I don't call him Voodoo. Everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> is it Voodoo or Voodoo? Everybody says Voodoo. Voodoo. Okay. I give him crap and tell him I won't call him that. A because I like to be different, and B I think it doesn't have a good backstory. So yeah, don't worry, I won't ask. I was just wondering if that was <laughs> Chris you were talking about. That's Chris. He he sits right next to me every day. <laughs> He's a good I dude. Love him, I love him to death. That he he will drive you nuts at the same time. <laughs> I hope he heard that. Um, sorry for interrupting you there. You said uh, you're vid- fine. You're fine. So yeah, I got two graphic designers and four videographers. Okay. Um, a pretty pretty young staff for the most part. I think they're all under 26. Um, and then we also have a, a football creative director that works in our department. He's a one-man team. Um, he just kind of started with us uh, in January, and he's my age, so he comes from the world of F1. He's a great guy, Ryan Long, if you guys want to look him up. But he uh, – football's its own beast, obviously. That's, that's a job in itself, if, mm-hmm. if not more jobs so Mm -hmm. um, my team doesn't touch football a lot except for maybe on the external marketing side ticket sales side he handles the main creative direction for football and then we kind of build off that for anything that's needed Um, and then we have two people in our department that are uh, on the the media systems team which is kind of video board live event type show stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, but they also will help out in in, you know bigger scale video shoots and things because they're pretty experienced in that Mm -hmm. so I guess talking about like the that creative director for Purdue football is mm-hmm. that is that consistent in collegiate athletics like to have separate creative directors for separate sports or is that like that's a great question um, and it's a, it's a it's a thing we're still learning because it just kind of I just came back to athletics in January and he started also in January so we came in well, he might start February but we came in about the same time. Um, and we both obviously have a creative director title where I'm not his boss. He's not my boss. So, um, we're on the same playing field, but we both work together. Um, I think a lot of creative departments, at least the ones I know, um, they're, they have a separate football creative team and it's usually separate from their in-house athletics team. So, um, you know, I, I don't know this for positive, but the, t- the, the, the places like Ohio state and other things have their own creative departments just for football. Mm-hmm. And, um, we fought really hard to, to make sure that all our creatives were still in, in, in one room all together. So we're all still on the same page. We're all talking. We all know each other. And there's not that disconnect where you start to get siloed from each other because mm-hmm. 
you know, once you, once you get in the, the bowels of football, you can get kind of swallowed up and never seen again. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beast college football. So, but we're fortunate where we're at to, to have the setup that we do. Yeah. Because I, I I've like, I see like consistencies with some athletic, you know, programs, you know, creative direction, you know, through all sports. And then I also see it on the flip side too, to where there's completely different look between football, baseball, basketball. And then even, even when it comes to men's and women's too, there's completely different looks sometimes there. So it's like, you know, like I, 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 I like the way that I guess if I was working within collegiate sports, I would prefer the way that you guys are set up, at least the way you're talking about it. And, and on that, the same topic, like the look and feel of everything, like we used to, you know, I've, I've been there for 11 years and we've gone up and down different ways with, you know, there's been years where every sport, sorry, there's a bug crawling on my table. <laughs> we've been, uh, we've been there where every sport kind of had their own, their own brand and they'd have a motto for the year and we designed them their own poster and they'd have their own look and photo shoot and everything. And, and that's fun. It, I, there's nothing wrong about it, but it didn't create that cohesion as a, as a designer that I like, uh, you know, I'm all about, I'm all about the brand and, and creating that cohesion and cohesive look. So uh, our university went through the, the main Purdue university um, went through a rebrand. I want to say three years ago, um, you know, and we kind of decided that was time to jump on board and be like, Hey, university academics, athletics, we're all one. Mm-hmm. We're going to, we're going to kind of all jump on board on the same brand and just strengthen everything. So mm-hmm. um, everything we produce and the university produces kind of has a very cohesive look. At least we try to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think like you, I think you said it perfectly there. Like you're all under Purdue university, you know, like I don't, yeah. I don't really see the point of like completely separating the athletics, you know, from one another visually, you know, yeah. a lot of, I mean, I, I notice it a lot in younger younger artists and designers like they want that freedom to create but you got to know your audience and you got to know that they need to recognize what it is if you have 12 different looks going out like things get lost Mm -hmm. and you don't always know what you're looking at right away especially in the fast-paced world that we live in Mm -hmm. so i guess that was actually perfect you kind of ended on like the fast pace of everything and like even with people you know just getting into sports or working in sports for x amount of years they realize how how much people work within the industry um so what's your opinion on like the work environment like stigma within the sports industry because this has come up at least since i started be like paying attention in sports it's come up to a point where like people are getting pissed at jobs offering x amount of dollars compared to you know the time that people are going to be ha- like ha- yeah. required to work. So I get yeah. like, obviously you don't need to go along those routes, but like, what's your opinion on that whole stigma of everything? I don't like the stigma. Um, and, and we've been through that through, through my time in athletics where um, a lot of the thought with, with um, administration in all, in all programs, I'm not talking specifically about ours or anything, but I think there was always a, a thought that, you know, these people will come and work in athletics because, you know, it's fun and it's cool and they get to be around the athletes and around the games and they'll take less money to do it. And I'm not saying, you know, they take advantage of it, but you know, if you can get someone willing to do that, you know, why would you pay them more if you can get them, you know, they're they're taking the job. So 
um, it's not like you're struggling, but a lot of people in the last five years, you know, they started to realize that they can, they don't need that. They can, they can go out and do it on their own. So I think the world is catching up. I know at Purdue, we do a fantastic job, I think of, of paying fairly. And then I, I try to treat my employees and their work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Um, I stress that a lot where, especially my videographers, they'll work a lot. My graphic designers work pretty much eight to five or whenever they want, but as long as the work gets done, I don't care. But with videographers, they're working events all the time. So, Mm um, you know, I tell them, you know, if if you worked at an event the night before, like don't come in tomorrow or take Wednesday off or whatever, like use your time, get your work done. Yeah. I don't care every day. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people are, catching up to that method of thinking. I think COVID helped a lot with people working from home and realizing what can be done, not in the office. So I've been fortunate to have a good boss that's understanding on the work-life balance thing. So I've been around that for my whole career and I'm trying to, to, to uh, infuse that into my staff as well, as best as I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like there are, there are some that still, that are mm-hmm. still struggling for sure. And yeah. I hear it. I mean, like, you're working in sports, right? I I feel like when people have that conversation of, oh, my God, I'm working too much and I'm not getting paid enough, like, you realize, like, when you're in season or I guess – I guess with collegiate athletics, you're always in season, right? Whether you're working basketball, there is no, down, or, there is no or, downtime anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you're always in season. So like, you know what you signed up for, you know, yeah. like, you know, a hundred percent when you went through the whole process of things, obviously you knew how much you were going to get paid. You knew how much you were, you know, you were going to, to work. Yeah. And I just realized that we have, 10 minutes left in the zoom, but whatever we'll, we'll send a new one when we come back up um, right. when that happens. So don't worry we about that. Time for refill. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, like I feel like the complaints aren't warranted because like you put yourself into the situation, you yeah. know what you were signing up for. It's like, you know, I, I, obviously I, I, there, there's those situations. Sorry. There's those, no, no, you're fine. there's those situations where, you know, unfortunately maybe it did happen to where you literally didn't sign up for this. You didn't, it wasn't, you know, they wasn't talked about. They just pull it up on you. Say you have to work an extra 20 hours and you're like, uh, you know, sometimes that happens, but you know, on the off, like, I feel like that's on the off chance type of situation, you know? Yeah. And I, and I went through that, you know, 10 years ago or 11 years ago when I first started where I was making decent money in healthcare and, and I knew that I was taking a pay cut to come to athletics, but I did it because I wanted to try that. And I knew that I could prove to them I was more valuable than the salary I was going to start at. I, I didn't know how long it was going to take. Um, it didn't take as very long at all, but you work your ass off and you show them how valuable you are. And if they're smart, they'll find a way to keep you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just like, I feel like it, it's, it's a conversation that I think you have to think about before you are getting into it. You know, like obviously if you're doing it for the first time, you don't know if you're going to like it or not. So it's like, you know, go try it if you're interested, but then don't complain if you're working a crap ton of hours, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, you do it cause you love it. It's like, I mean, teachers, teachers don't make much. They do it cause most of them, they love it. They, Mm -hmm. they didn't go into teaching knowing they were going to get rich. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, you don't go into this career knowing you're going to get rich either. (laughs) Yeah. So along the lines of like, you know, working a lot within, within everything, you know, long work days, long work weeks, long work freaking years, let's be honest. Um, 
I know you, you said like mental health and, you know, that whole aspect of things. You wanted to touch on that because you've experienced it um, and everything like that. So, I mean, obviously, you know, you're working long hours. Sometimes that work-life balance doesn't really, you know, yeah. come as often as someone would want. I guess what was your yeah. experience when it, when it kind of came to that um, so, and everything? Yeah, that's, uh, that's something I'll try not to, to – uh babble on too long about but it's definitely something that's important to me mm-hmm. because i have been through it and i had no idea i was going to go through it i so i started at purdue when i was let's see it was 11 years so i was about 31 years old 31 years of my life i never had a care in the world like i was i was the most happy-go-lucky stress-free guy like i never remember being worried about anything stressed about anything maybe you know you know, a late project or something you freak out about nothing that that shook me about three, four months into my job at Purdue. I started getting these chest pains and kept going to doctors. Couldn't figure out what it was. It was keeping me up. Like I would wake up at night, think I was having a heart attack. And I, you know, I would just be in cold sweats. I'd be crying. I'd be scared for my life. Like I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Like I was terrified. (laughs) And, uh, Finally, after about the fourth or fifth doctor, one of the doctors was like, do you have an anxiety disorder? And I was like, no. And he's like, well, you know, based on everything you're telling me, I think you do. And I'd I'd never heard of that, never thought of that, never knew what an anxiety disorder was. (laughs) So, um, you know, he, you know, they put me on medication. I started talking to someone and it went on for you know, it, it wasn't something I conquered easily. Um, you know, it went on for a few years, but, you know, things got balanced out and you learn how to deal with it through mm-hmm. some methods that I can go into if you want or not. But um, the the reason that I came, the conclusion that I come to that developed it is that um, I was overwhelming myself and I didn't know it. Like I was, I was in a job that I absolutely loved and I was taking on so much stuff. I didn't want to tell anyone no. I wanted to do everything. I was having so much fun. I was working all these events. I was taking on responsibilities and extra work. And and I thought I was loving every minute of it. But what you don't know in the back of your mind is you are stressing yourself the F out. <laughs> and you don't even know it because you're having fun. And um, it'll catch up to you. So, you know, I try and I try to encourage young people I talk to, like, just be careful how much you take on. Um, be mindful, take your time, take your breaths, have fun, get, get loose. Like, um, they, cause everybody just wants to just do so much. Um, and before you know it, it'll, it'll bite you hard. <laughs> so I guess like you said you were taking on a lot of work. Um, yeah. when like, like, did you know, like in the back of your head, like, I mean, obviously you were having fun, but like, did you even yeah. have a thought of holy shit, this stuff could happen? Or was it just no, like, no, I had no clue. Like, type of... And this is all obviously in hindsight that yeah. I'm figuring that's the reason. But like, yeah, I was, I was so set on proving my worth and in, in the athletics world. And um, I wanted, you know, because when I first started, um, graph designers weren't popular in athletics. So I, basically, a graph designer was a was somebody in the department that made the newspaper ads or whatever or the schedule posters. Like you didn't have a lot of jobs, and, mm-hmm. and social media was on the rise, and there were things, and people didn't normally give it to the graphic designer. And I was like, I can do that. Like, let me do that. I can make your media guide. Like, I can, I can update the website. I can. Like, I kept saying, Hey, I can do this. Use mm-hmm. me. Use me. Mm-hmm. 
And before you know it, you're just bombarded. And if you have the personality I did where you didn't want to let anyone down, you never had the balls to say no because you didn't want to disappoint someone. And that's one of the things I had to learn as I grew is that it's okay to say no to people. It's okay to say, I'm way too busy. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're important to me, but I can't take it right now. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's something that I, I guess in my, you know, short experience working in it, like since, since I'm so new to working full time in sports, it's something that I thankfully have been, I guess, like, talked to about you know before i have started you know working you know x amount whatever you know working the you know working as much as people in sports do um in seasons and everything um so like being able to i guess i'm I'm very fortunate that i had the opportunity to talk with people about you know that whole aspect of this career and i guess not only this career but i guess in general in life type of scenario you know um, cause I, I don't know, like, I, I don't like thinking of like a, what if, or like, you know, if I didn't talk to someone like what, where would I be mentally at this point? Like, would I, would I still enjoy what I'm doing? Would I, you know, would I second guess what I'm doing? Would I, you know, X, Y, Z, so many different, you know, types of things could come up. But, um, fortunately, you know, thankfully, um, kudos to the people that I've talked to, I guess not really kudos. That's the wrong word, but thank you to the people I've talked to. You know who you are, if you are listening, um, it's, it's helped like talking to people about the problem, not keeping it inside has helped me immensely, you know, when it came to, and that's what I tell everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like when it came to like, obviously getting, getting over that hump, but also understanding myself, you know, I had to talk, I didn't realize I had to talk to other people to understand myself a little bit more. Mm -hmm. It it was, it was like the craziest, like it was the craziest thing I had to get over. But once you do it, it was, it's a game changer. Yeah. And that's, that's the biggest advice I give to people. I mean, I'm no, I have no magic solution for it. Uh, I mean, medication uh, helps lots of people, but also just, I just started opening up to people. I, I had a couple of coworkers that I would just, I would go upstairs and I'd be like, Kim, can you walk around the building with me? I just need to talk to someone mm-hmm. and we'd go for a walk. And I would just spew all my problems and she would listen to me and, and, didn't matter if she had any solution. Like it was just a way for me for someone to listen and mm-hmm. understand that I had shit going on that I didn't know how to deal with. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not saying, you know, maybe people don't want to hear you, but tell them anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's just one of those things where like, I feel like it's a stigma that people are getting over, you know, like to not talk about it. Like people are getting over that and getting more comfortable in the scenario where you have to talk about it. You know, it's like, I hate when it comes to like, especially males, like, Oh, be a man, like stop being emotional, stop being, you Mm -hmm. know, feminine or whatever, you know, like that's so like 1940s type of shit. Like, Oh yeah. And that's, that's probably like, you know, my parents and the, you know, I grew up learning is, and that's why I never knew what to do. And when this happened, um, because it wasn't a popular subject matter like it is now. Like, mm-hmm. thank God people yeah. talk about it more. But like at my time and my upbringing, like I didn't know what was going on and what I was supposed to do about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who to call. I didn't know what I could do. I was like, do I go to the hospital? I don't, I, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So unfortunately on the Zoom, we are less than a minute under here. So yeah. we will be taking a little break here. Um, yeah. Obviously, if you need to go get like water or whatever, go for it. Go get a refill. Oh. All right. 
We're back. We are back like we never left. I don't know why that's all of a sudden a thing. Like, the time limit? Yeah. Like it, it never because has. It's, do you have to pay for like Zoom premium or something? To get rid of the time limit now, but like every time, like even when I first started this podcast, I used to do it through Zoom all the time and I would never have that pop up. Even if it was just like, you know, me and a guest, you know, two people. I know yeah. now it's like if you have more than two, I think there's no time limit potentially, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, so that, that kind of cut off our, our conversation a little That's bit. Fine. Which is it was probably, but... it was probably a good transition. From that yeah. topic. Um, okay, so I'll just kind of hop into it, and I'll like say like we're back and everything, and then we'll yeah. kind of get into something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so unfortunate. Just like the whole the whole you know conversation just poof right there. It's it's no so unfortunate, but yeah, we'll get back into it. All right, and we're back. Okay, unfortunately, I need to remember that Zoom does this now. Um, when 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 i use zoom i was looking into you know i was looking into some i don't know how like much you listen to podcasts or anything but i was looking into another way to kind of host a podcast it's called uh-huh. River, riverside.fm have you heard of that before no i i am a newbie when it comes to podcasts i've started checking out a few like of the true crime type ones that i get into listen oh, to on the way so to work good. Yeah. so good yeah you'll have to suggest some to me offline yeah um but basically this like it it's like it's like a zoom or whatever but it like it hosts you're able to host your podcast so like the way i'm you the way i'm recording this like i'm i'm streaming like i'm using um obs to record my screen and i use obs to set up our face cams in a certain way to split the screen and everything and you know everything you know got to go through all that stuff on my other side here but with riverside it does it automatically like to where your face cams pop up, you can pick a layout, what face cam layout you want. And then it like, when it comes to recording, it records everything locally. So like when we stop recording, it'll, it'll give you a video file and an audio file on your personal stuff. And it'll give me one too. So like the quality of everything is a little bit better. And then the feedback is like, like what we would see. That's like, that's not being recorded. It's recording in the highest quality possible that your local, whatever, like your local setup can support. So I've, I've been looking into it to kind of jump through loopholes, but I had a conversation with, um, who was I talking with yesterday? Oh my goodness. I can't remember. It's literally like the episode that's before this one. Where'd they work? (laughs) That's the thing. I don't, I don't remember. (laughs) Oh no. I feel so bad for this. I'm going to, I need to look at my notes. I need to look at my notes. Who did I? We'll edit it in post. Uh, Oh, okay. Okay. His, his alias is, is Frostify. Okay. Yeah. We were talking about, okay. So yeah, I was talking with him about it last night too. And it was like one of those conversations where, is it worth it? Is it not? You know, it's whatever, but then I wouldn't have to deal with those damn time limits with freaking zoom. Yeah. It's one of those things, but, um, but yeah, so getting back into said podcast that we are recording, um, I wanted to talk about like with your position, obviously you have to manage, a team and a collaborative experience, right? You have to manage different branches and facets of creative services, I guess, to put it in the yeah. best way possible. What in a, like, what is like, what's the most challenging aspect of that 
like are you in a situation where you just kind of let them go like you give creative direction and you're like do your thing or is it like you know do you have to like go this this that like be there uh, the whole time or i think one of the most at least in my in my experience so i've i've only been kind of on the management side since i don't know 2017 18 i can't okay. remember when I, I i had interns but the actual time i got i got full-time employees underneath me um the biggest thing is to let go of is being a doer and you know I, i'm a graphic designer been a graphic designer my whole life and then you're a manager and you have to learn how to delegate and let go of things. Um, I, I have this constant need where I still feel like I need to be doing things. I, I, I feel guilty if I'm assigning things to my team members. Like I feel like, Oh, like I, sh I should do that. Like I'll take that off your plate. Like I try and help them as much as I can, but I think you also, you have to a lot of time for managing. Um, and it's hard. Um, it's, you know, it's a full-time job by itself. I mean, mm -hmm taking care of your staff and making things go smoothly and going to meetings and all that stuff. So um, it's easy to get overwhelmed by all that. And it's a tough thing to let go of. Um, I still haven't, I'm still guilty of it. Um, I have a great staff and luckily, you know, um, my designers, is, Chris is always like, you know, give me work. That's what I'm here for. But <laughs> like, no, no, I, you know, I've given you too much. I'll do this one. So, but yeah, you got to learn how to delegate. That's, that's tough. And then, you know, the other thing is, is dealing with drama when it comes up and it will come up. Um, I'm not a great, I'm not, you know, great at confrontation and dealing with problems. Like I would love it if the world was happy and pleasant all the time, but it's not. And when problems will come up and, and you have to, um, I, I like to genuinely think I'm a nice guy. Sometimes you have to not be a nice guy. <laughs> That's not fun. <laughs> you never... I don't like being the bad guy. I'm not good at it. Yeah, that that's how I am too. Like I, I'm, I I come straight from my mom when I like when I come to like dealing with drama and everything. Like I'm just too nice to not. Yeah. You know, like especially if they're like you know coworkers, you like who you work with. Like, I mean, not they're not just coworkers; they're friends. Like you don't want to have to be like, look, this is how things are gonna go. I you know, just be a little brunt with it. I, yeah. That's, I don't, I don't know if I would like doing that either. That would, that'd be tough. Yeah. So I was a manager for, for like, for a few graphic designers for a couple of years. And then uh, a couple of years into COVID, I decided to take a break from athletics and I went and worked for a buddy and a startup business for a little while. Um, and, and actually most of 2021 and I came back to Purdue and they asked, you know, what I wanted to do. And I was like, I, I just want to go back to, to being a doer. I just want to be a graphic designer. I, I really don't want to lead people. Like I'm not interested in that stress right now. Like just something low key. And I came back as a graphic designer and a month or two later, they were like, Hey, like we don't have a creative director. <laughs> We'd really like you to do it. And I was like, all right. And just got to, you know, it, it's easier once people have confidence in you and exude confidence in you and say, no, you're the right person for this. And you're like, okay, okay, maybe I am. So mm -hmm. they convinced me I could do it. And, and luckily I have a really good team. Um, they're, a, they're a pleasure to lead. I love going to work every day. So they make life really easy. I'm sure drama is going to come up sooner or later because it always does. But I think mm -hmm. I, I'm close enough with all of them that we'll we'll deal with it 
however we need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So with your experience within the sports industry, I want to end on this. Mm-hmm. What has changed? I guess we'll start for the worst. What has changed for the worst within the sports, I guess, sports design industry, <laughs> since that's what we're you know, yeah. about. And then on the flip side, what has changed for the better? Um, I did make some notes on this. Let me, let me pull them up just in case I forget what I was saying. But uh, <laughs> I, I think in my decade plus doing it, the, the worst part is probably the endless need for content. Um, you know, when I, when I first started, like I said earlier, like you were just the guy that, that made the newspaper ticket sale ads and the schedule posters and, and uh, life was pretty easy. And then social media took off and you have accounts everywhere in 18 different sports that you're working for and recruiting. I didn't even mention recruiting. (laughs) You probably don't have to deal with that much in minor league baseball, but it can be a nightmare in college athletics. I mean, it's just nonstop content. Everybody wants content. Everything needs to be a graphic or a video. And, and I'm not saying it's wrong. I, I may sound like I'm complaining. I'm not, I'm just saying it's, it's a lot to keep up with. And mm-hmm. the downside to that, what makes it worse is you don't get to invest creative energy on things as much as maybe you did in the past. Um, like my, my wife, for example, works for the university as well, but she works on the academic side as a graphic designer. And um, they're, they're kind of more like an in-house agency where projects come in and they talk about them and they brainstorm them and there's a plan of action and there's multiple people on the project and mm. you actually have time to develop concepts and stuff like that where i feel like in athletics it's just go like it's i need it now i need it now i need it now so there's not of you got to be creative and you got to be creative fast and sometimes you don't get to always put your your best work in mm-hmm. and that's not a bad thing like i actually preached to my staff that sometimes I'll say good enough is okay. (laughs) Like not every project has to be like this award-winning piece, like Mm -hmm. get it out, communicate the message. Nobody will care. This, this social media world moves too fast for anybody to notice. It seems so. Mm -hmm. That's something I had to get over when I first started. um, Uh Cause I was working freelance within sports before I started working full time. So it's like, everything there I was able to go from you know A to Z very methodically and like develop a concept you know trial and error between a handful of looks based on you know what feedback was and now it's like okay we have a project turnaround is in like four hours push it out you know basically it's like you know but but then when it comes down to like sorry when, when it comes down to like like thankfully the person like the senior designer that I work under Nick Nick Gunther he has developed the brand look very you know very easily so when I when I came in um I guess not very easily he developed it you know very well so when I came in it was easy to kind of pick up and when I had to shell out graphics you know with a quick turnaround or you know stuff like that being able to keep things looking consistent and the only thing yeah. I had to worry about was organizing information and assets and stuff like that you know that's that, that that helps there but that's something i had to that was honestly probably the worst part about it it's just like yeah. bang 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 over and over and over and over and, over and i and i've only worked in two different industries i worked in the healthcare industry as a designer and uh 
in athletics and that's been my 20 plus year career and they were wildly different where you know one you had lots of time to put creative energy into something and produce a final piece and the other where it's just bam 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 and and i don't know if a lot of industries are like one or the other but i always tell the young designers looking to get into this field like that's the one thing you have to be prepared for is you have to be able to work fast in this mm-hmm. industry mm-hmm. like they're that's luckily I feel like I've always been a fast designer, but you know, I've not, everybody can work that way. And that's not a bad thing. That's people work different ways. Mm-hmm. I am not a person that I've, I've always been like this ever since I've been in, in the field where, um, I don't have to concept stuff. Like, you know, I'll think about stuff in my head and I'll finally put it out on the computer. And pretty much the first thing I get is probably the best thing you're going to get from me. <laughs> I don't do a lot of like trial and error. And I'm not, that's not me being cocky. That's just me being, that's just the way I work. Mm-hmm. But other people like to keep trying things and concepting and working and working and tweaking. And I just, I've always been just get it done, get it done. And I think that's worked well for me in this field. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. So what changed, what's changed for the better? I think for the better, I think the better is the, the respect and recognition that people that in our area are getting, um, our, our higher ups are noticing that this is a need. Um, we need creatives. It's important. You can't underpay them. You can't understaff your departments. Um, I think a lot of places are growing rapidly and, and I've noticed this too. Like I've, I've tried to hire, uh, graphic designer and two videographers this year alone. And, and I mean, it's hard to get people, people. I mean, as soon as I interview them, they're taking other jobs. I mean, there's, there's a lot of work out there and a lot of opportunity and that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, it, it's growing and people are respecting the need for us and, and starting to pay appropriately. I think a lot of places at least mm-hmm. yeah, I've, noticed, I've noticed, I've noticed I've had to start offering more money for people that, I was surprised, you know, that, you know, you make an offer to someone and they don't take it. You're like, wow, I felt like that was a pretty good offer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I guess like, especially in collegiate athletic, like NIL has a huge, I feel like that that has a huge, that was a big like turning point in coverage for players, especially. Um, So, Ah, that's that's a conversation that I guess that's a whole nother one. <laughs> that's a whole other. I don't know if I'm well enough educated for it. It's still, <laughs> and, and that's probably me being an older guy and just grumpy about it. Like I, I, I'm all for it. I'm all for you. You should absolutely be able to make money mm-hmm. off who you are. Um, but it's it's an ugly business. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shadiness going on, and I don't know how you control it. I don't. I don't have any answers. <laughs> But there's a lot of money to be made mm-hmm. for for the athletes and people like us. I mean, as you see a lot of people going freelance, and I don't blame them. Like, you find the right path. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of money out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I just I I want to throw out a thanks again to you um, coming on, taking the time out of your day to you know. I appreciate it. That was fun. On. Yeah, it was it was a really good conversation. Um, I was. I mean, I said this before we started recording, I think. Um, I was pretty pretty excited to talk to you about what we – yeah, I definitely said this. I was pretty excited to, to talk to you about what we kind of, you know, came up with notes and everything and what you suggested when we were texting back and forth. So um, I knew it was going to be an awesome time. Um, it's always – obviously, it's always a little little nervous meeting someone you've never met or talked to before. So um, 
I think that I think that this this whole thing kind of went well. Um, yeah, the only downside was you're a Brewers fan. Yeah, and but... and freaking Zoom forty wait, minute cutoffs. Wait, 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 wait. Are you a Packers? Are you a Packers fan? <laughs> you are, aren't you? I'm you are diehard Packers. Fan. Oh. <laughs> okay. If I'm a Bears so, fan. <laughs> so before, like way back when I first started the set the podcast, I had a huge Packer flag hanging here. Yeah. Oh. So that that would have jeez, you know, do you know who Brad LaFeld is? Yeah, I know Brad. Okay. Is he gonna listen to this? Probably. But Good. so him I'm waiting and I, for that guy to take me on in a in some golf. <laughs> well just challenge him and he'll do it. I have. He's gotta he's gotta meet me somewhere. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, I definitely like, know Brad. Like when we recorded the first time, we both like I wore it was mid football season too, so I wore Packer jersey, Packer hat. He was all bared up too, and it was yeah. <laughs> it, that's a recurring thing whenever we whenever we talk back and forth. I would have known I would have wore some Bears gear <laughs> next time. Bears and Cubs, and you're from Indiana. That's interesting. Bears, Cubs, Bulls. Fuck the Colts. <laughs> but yeah. Um, okay. Well, for the people listening today to episode nine, thank you for coming out and listening. Um, I hope you have a good rest of your day, rest of your evening, rest of your month, whenever you are listening to this. But um, oh, did you? <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> what? Did I? Did that was was I? Did you think I was at, like asking, like telling you that? We, I, I'm not even stopped talking to you yet. We're probably going to talk after this, but I was talking to like the people listening. Ah, I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, um, <laughs> hope you have a good rest of your day. Um, as always, make sure you tell someone that you love them today. All right, we will see you next time in episode ten. Take it easy. Peace.